This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. I'm Ross Cochran. You know who you are. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I am thrilled to welcome one of our faculty members for the Child Discipleship Forum, Sam Luce, uh, today. Sam, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for being here. But I just want to start, you know, Sam, you are a you're not only a leader in the sort of thought leadership space of child discipleship. I would highly encourage people to check out the show notes where we'll link to the Sam's website so you can read some of his writings. I think you're a very gifted communicator over a variety of issues, but you're also someone who's invested in the local church and you are a, a local leader and have been for quite some time. So tell, tell people who are listening, tell us about your church and um, how you have come to this place of being a faculty member of the Child Discipleship Forum, which is, sounds like a very fancy title. It does, yeah, it does. It does sound good. Um, yeah, so I'm part of uh, Redeemer Church in upstate New York, so the unfamous Redeemer. So that <laughs> that is who we are, and uh, we are uh, in Utica, New York, which is kind of on the throughway between Albany and Syracuse, uh, located there. And um, we're a we're a church that that really believes in the power of the Bible, the power of the gospel to transform human lives, and and the greatest need that we all have from the youngest child to the oldest, uh, the oldest adult in the room is that we need forgiveness. We need mm. redemption. We need, um, the power of God to open our eyes by his grace to see his goodness so that we can, um, model that and be transformed by that and model it to the world. And so we are, uh, we're a church. We've been around for, I don't know, like 40 years, maybe 40 years. I've been, uh, I've been here at this church for 24 years, six years ago, I transitioned out of campus pastoring into just full-time, uh, pastor of families. Nice. So, yeah, so I oversee all of our kids and youth, uh, programs at all of our locations and, uh, lead those teams and, uh, try to disciple those who disciple those who disciple kids is nice. now my, my role. So, yeah. Well, and that's exactly sort of where I want to begin because, um, what I hope people hear in everybody we talk to, but especially for somebody like you is how similar your kind of story and journey is going to sound like to lots of people who listen. You know, I may not, I may be talking to you on the podcast, but there's plenty of people who are listening to this, who have been invested in the lives of kids and families in their communities for over 20 years. And yeah. the lens that you have on this, the ability to be able to apply it on both a local and kind of a macro level, I think is really valuable for people. So you just talked about discipling pe- those who are discipling kids and equipping those. And yeah. obviously that is such the heartbeat of Awana. Mm-hmm. We are coming off of a time um, that was unprecedented history. And I think I get a little nervous when I see a lot of conversations of like, let's get back to normal. Let's go, you know, let's do what, we, and it feels like it's sort of saying like, let's do what we were doing. And I've had the privilege of being able to talk to you a couple of times. I know that's not quite how you look at the sort of post COVID world. If someone's yeah. listening to this and they're looking at the fall and what their church is going to look like, what should they be keeping in mind now? Yeah, it's um, I think uh, many ways COVID was the greatest challenge that we faced in our generation for sure. And in, in, in many ways, not, not the greatest in every way, but uh, I also think it's one of the greatest gifts because mm-hmm. it allowed us the thing that we always talk about, I wish that I had more time to just uh, spend with my family, to think through things. And it gave us a, uh, it wasn't a sabbatical in any way. And because it was, it was so taxing mentally in terms of every decision was excruciating. You know, there was no easy mm-hmm. decision. Like there was, you met you um, like just mask, for instance, like uh, if you 
uh, whatever decision you made about masks, someone disagreed, you know, so it was, it was, it was difficult, no matter what you said, if I'm a mask, anti-mask, and it, it was hard. I mean, people were, uh, you know, I read this, this thing on Facebook, I mean, on Instagram, uh, this it just broke my heart. This guy, he was, uh, he said, please pray for the church. He goes, a friend of mine who is a faithful pastor in his local ministry, he buried people and prayed for people and for, you know, for 20 years was driven out of his church, church over masks. You know, oh, goodness. he said, I'm not saying what side he was stood on because it's not about that. He's saying that this is a time where we have to really dig deep and we have to really figure out like, how are we going to lead in this cultural moment? How are we going to um, glorify God and the, the difficulty? And, the, and, and so leading isn't simple. Uh, but what I think it has, uh, what COVID did do is it simplified our schedule in the sense of it allowed us to focus on, to ask questions like, um, hard questions like, okay, it is, is VBS still worth the effort? You know what I'm saying? Are we getting from VBS what we're putting, what we're hoping to receive from it? You know, and for yeah. us, the answer was yes. And we just did VBS a couple of weeks ago, That's you know, right. but um, I think we have this um, in our culture, we have like this addiction to events that because we, we have, we're driven by the wrong numbers, right? We're sure. driven by the wrong things like that because we want the, we feel like the more people that participate, the more people that observe, the more that we are achieving our purpose, which can be true, but often isn't true. Yeah. You know? And I think for me, the, the question we have to ask ourselves is, is not when can we get back to normal, but uh, what do we, what, what do we need to change? What can we do differently? What do we have to, what do we have to stop doing and what do we need to start doing yeah. as a result of what we know can happen and may happen again? So just to kind of make sure people are tracking, you know, one of the things that I think is really important to ask for somebody who's been in, in this world as long as you have is to highlight that this is not something you've been through before. Because you've obviously seen how children's ministry has changed from when you started compared to now. Yeah. That this moment in time is unique. And I'm curious yeah. when you are looking on a real like practical local level, like you talked about asking those questions, how is that feeling? What we would at least articulate is the difference between like children's ministry, the way we've understood it and child discipleship. Yeah, this is definitely a unique uh, season that we've been in. And uh, I think so uh, being in the same church. So just starting with that, like in this yeah. for 24 years, what you see is uh, there's benefits and there's drawbacks, you know, the drawbacks is you become um, sort of part of the furniture, you know what I'm saying, of the place. <laughs> and so there's that, but then the benefits I would say is, is it, um, it humbles you mm. uh, because you realize that the result of what you do is not your good ideas or your innovative thinking, but it is God's grace. Yeah. And so it humbles you to, because you realize that uh, the temptation I think that we have is we have like five years worth of good, good, innovative ideas. And oftentimes we're tempted to take those once our time is up to the next church and do our five years of innovation. But uh, when you see people, when you start doing the weddings of kids who are in the <laughs> crawlers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it, it has this <laughs> profound effect on you because you realize like that you see the mistakes that you made. Yeah. And you see the place where God's grace was evident, uh, even in the midst of your ignorance and the, in the midst of the, of you, uh, the mistakes that you made, how God's grace was still at work through your faithfulness. And uh, so there's that. But I, I think overall in kids ministry across the board, like what I've seen the changes is, is from kids ministry has gone from um, kids pastor as expert. Okay. Right? 
bring your kids to us and we'll fix them and give them back to you after an hour. Right. That's where it sort of was when I first started uh, back to a, a transition. And then the pendulum swung as it often does to the opposite end, which was kids pastor as cheerleader. Mm. Uh, we're here to not, we're here to parents are the primary disciplers and our job is to cheer. Yeah. Right. And I think both of those are right. And both of those are wrong. Sure. And um, so I think where we need to be is this is, is how, how can we be, um, and, and this is where I think COVID is sort of bringing this out is, is that we can't, as the experts, we, we didn't have access to kids, mm-hmm. right? As experts, we didn't have access to the kids because they were at home. And so we were putting content up there, up on YouTube, hoping that someone was watching it, you know? Yeah. Um, but then we also uh, weren't able even to cheer parents on because they were, they were so busy trying to be tutors to be parents to figure out their remote work situation. It was like, they didn't have time for our encouragement. Right. Mm-hmm. So what we need, right. Is this is, I think the pendulum swing getting back to your point is this is the, 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 is as a disciple, which you should be as a ministry leader, you need to, we have to figure out how are we going to disciple parents? How are mm-hmm. we going to disciple kids in such a way that should we not be able to be able to reach them directly, right? That they will be able to, that parents will have been discipled enough to be able to disciple their kids. Yeah. Absent some church. Well, I mean, that's a kind of a mind blowing thing and not to be super alarmist, but it it does raise this upcoming season, even particularly this just upcoming ministry year as an opportunity to practice what you preach because this won't be the last time we get shut down. This won't no. be the last time. I don't and, think so. Yeah. And to be trained and to learn what we've learned so that we're not making the same mistakes three months into whatever the next pandemic is, I think is going to be really, really critical. Yeah. And I hope people hear too, you, and you've talked about this before, so I don't mean to ask us such a leading question, but you've talked about the difference between the ways in which the world is discipling our kids versus the way that we have the opportunity to disciple the kids. You've used mm-hmm. the word incarnation and how that mm-hmm. incarnation makes a difference. Can you yeah. speak to you just for sake of uh, example, because I'm pretty sure it's what my kids are watching currently. Can you yeah. speak to the difference between the work of uh, what the church can do, even in a socially distant environment versus mm-hmm. the work that Disney can do, let's say, because I'm sure right okay. now there's a show on Disney plus that my kids are streaming. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. One of the, um, one of the, I think one of my most popular, I guess, or most accessed, blog post was the difference between Fred Rogers and Mr. Rogers and Walt Disney, right? What are the difference? And to me, the difference was how uh, Mr. Rogers saw the world is he saw the world through this idea of forming kids uh, into the faith that he professed uh, and, and not in a way that is even as overt as we would as kids pastors or ministry leaders, you know what I mean? But he was as a, as a, as an ordained minister, he saw, this is my mission field and I am going to model for a watching world, what it looks like to be conformed in the image of Christ. Mm. And um, so he, he did that in so many ways because his, his goal was transformation rather than, than, than just, uh, than just having kids be uh, entertained. Yeah. Entertainment is, has, has value, but not much, you know, because it's until they're on to the next thing. It's, it's like they, until they flip to the next YouTube video, it, it keeps them pacified, but it doesn't change. 
It doesn't mold them into the image of Christ. It doesn't make them more like Christ. And, and the role of us as leaders and as parents is this, is, is how are, what, who are we becoming? Yeah. Right. Who are we becoming? And, and how is that informing how we lead the kids that, that God has entrusted in our care? Yeah. Right. And so in, in leading in kids ministry, like it should be engaging, it should be fun. Right. But it should definitely be more than that. It definitely should be about like, who are these kids? Who are these kids becoming? Are they, are the kids that, uh, that have been through our ministry, right? Are they, uh, do they look more like Christ? Are they, are they grounded in the understanding of the historic faith handed to us? Right. Yeah. Do, are they able to, to stand in the midst of difficulty? You know, when, um, you know, even in the shutdown, this isn't, this isn't, I'm not saying this is persecution, whatever, but what I'm going to tell you is about persecution. I'm not equating the two, but I'm, Sure. But I, I read a book a while back and um, in the book he was talking about this is that there was, there's this guy, this author, he was, he was interviewing all, what was the difference between Christians who had faced in persecution versus Christians in the West who hadn't faced persecution. He's like, well, how is their faith different? And so he interviewed all these different people that had been uh, in persecution. And he was at this, um, he was meeting with these, these leaders in, um, and I think it was in China or the Eastern uh, European, and he was, uh, they were talking and there was, there was all these people that had gone to jail. That was going to prison was their seminary, but that's how oh, they wow. looked at it. It's like, this is, this is how we, beca- you didn't become a pastor until you'd been in prison. <laughs> and it was just mind blowing. And then they said, then he said, this whole thing is like, they, like they arrested some people and he said that the people that don't make it, right. He said, there was some, there's two, there's two people that went in and they didn't make it. And he said, well, why didn't they make it in prison? He said, well, because you only have with you in prison what you bring with you. Oh, wow. And it's like, to me, that is a profound reality is, is like, to me, that's what child discipleship and discipleship in our, to me, it changed the way I looked at me discipling my own kids is I have to prepare my kids to bring with them into the world. Um, You know, I don't believe that we're being persecuted or anything like that, but I want them to be prepared. If that ever does happen, what they bring with them is what's going to keep them. So those Absolutely. that brought in memory, they only, they only brought with them what they'd memorized. They'd only, and, and Nolan is huge in the scripture memorization. Like th- that was right. what was huge was for what the scriptures that they'd memorized, the songs that they had sung and that they had remembered the, uh, the, the books that they had read, all those things were, were the, were the framework by which they had the courage and, and the faith, th- those things informed their faith. Like, like some people memorize certain parts of the Bible and they read, they recited them to each other right in in prison as a way to strengthen and encourage each other so what we bring to difficulty i think i think what we can take from it it's not apples for apples but what we can take from it in discipleship is this is what we bring to the hardship of our lives uh you know how we get through those is what we bring to them thanks for listening we'll be right back were you at the child discipleship forum Were you able to join us in Nashville or online for this crucial conversation about the future of the faith? If you missed it, I want you to go to childdiscipleshipsimulcast.com right now. There you're going to see information about how to access content from the forum in a video on demand format so that you can quickly access the speakers that will resonate the most with your ministry context. The last thing any of us at Awana would want is for the conversations that started at the forum 
to end at the forum. Continue the conversation at childdiscipleshipsimulcast.com. I just took a class in seminary on on discipleship. And one of the statements that just stuck with me throughout the whole thing, I read a ton of books on it. And uh, one of the things that stood out to me most was this guy said, the reason why pastors don't disciple people in the church is because they don't, they've never been discipled themselves. They don't know what discipleship looks like. And so he said, they don't disciple the people in their church because they've never been discipled. And I think that how I take that and how I learned that is this, is the reason why parents aren't, are leaving these are the handouts in the ba- in the bottom of their cars to be stepped on in their minivans uh, is because they're busy, but they've never been discipled. And yeah. so the best thing that we can do to disciple parent kids is to disciple parents is as a, as a kid's pastor, not how are you discipling your, the parents in your church? What tools are you giving them? How are you discipling their kids uh, if they're not going to do it? Like, so I think, that's a broader conversation than just saying we need to be a cheerleader mm-hmm. for parents mm-hmm. because parents need more than encouragement. They need a model. Yeah. They can walk out for their kids. They need a structure by which they can say, this is what we're doing today. This is what it looks like. And, and there's been a lot in kids ministry and the kids ministry world of, of uh, this thing. Like no one would disagree that parents are primary. But right. when you ask somebody, how do you do, how do you do that? Like, how do you, what does that look like? Well, well, we just cheer parents on like, but what, what do you do? Or like, well, we meet on Sundays. Like, well, how do you disciple kids? And they say, well, we have Sunday morning service. And yeah. to me, that isn't, that isn't the right answer. You're answering, you're giving a, a good answer, but to the, but it's not, it's not enough. It's not just to attend an event does not make you a disciple. Yeah. A a set of beliefs that is backed up by, by 2000 years of historical faith that encourages and forms and frames the cultural moment we live in is discipleship. It's a lens by which our kids can see the world and, and, and see the changes that we don't even perceive yet. Yeah. But see them through the, the way that the church has historically been through them because there's no new heresy there's no new heresy that's going to come down the pike that is new to the church. It may have, you know, may have a new, a new outfit on, you know what I'm saying? It may look cooler, it may sound cooler, but it's just, it's the same, it's the same heresy, you know? And so what we have to do is what are those heresies? How, how has the church dealt with those mm-hmm. in a way that has been where they remain faithful to what scripture is and how do we help our kids identify truth to see truth as truth, but also to see Jesus, you know, you're talking about incarnation. Yep. Like he came into the world as a person. He didn't just send us a book. He came <laughs> as a person, embodied the truths of the book that he sent to us about himself. Right. The Bible is not about you. It is not about me. It is about Christ for us, right? It's for us. It's not about us. And, yeah. and understanding that will change everything, you know, because it's um, for us, because we realize it's, it's about knowing him. He embodied him. He became a person. He dwelt amongst us. Like, like that reality is so important because that's so much of discipleship is, is who you're becoming uh, in light of knowing and trusting him. And how is that? How is that framing who your kids are becoming? What are they seeing in you, you know, as a parent? And that's frightening, honestly. (laughs) 
it is. But I think what I hope people also hear from that is obviously that like that's a tremendous responsibility. But in all that we're talking about, it's not about adding to do list to your, uh, you know, items to your to do list. It's mm-hmm. about what you're, you know, prior, prioritizing, making your discipleship as healthy as it is, is going to accomplish as healthy as it, as it can be, excuse me, is going to accomplish a lot of the work that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. That's, there's, so much, there's so much to chew on there, Sam. I do want to ask, you know, the current plan is, and I'll edit all of this out if this winds up not being the case, but the current plan is you and I are talking before the child discipleship forum, but that we're actually, people are going to be listening to this after the forum. Yeah. You have a particular heart for people who come into an experience like that and then have to come out to, into the real world. So yeah. let's say there's someone who's listening to this who discovered the podcast because of their attendance at the forum. And now they're trying to figure out what's next. Yeah. How do we begin to help people bridge this sort of forum conference uh, vibe back into yeah. the real world? What does that look like? Well, I mean, I'm the reason why I'm excited, honestly, to be part of an honor to be part of the Child Discipleship Forum is because I believe that is what is really going to be transformative going forward in, mm-hmm. in youth ministry and kids ministry is, is cause that, that is really the question is not, not how many people come, although that's important. It's, it's how, how well are we producing disciples in such a way that they're producing disciples? Yeah. Right. Um, how are we doing that? Um, uh, and coming to a conference where you're going to hear lots of people um, say lots of amazing things, right? The tendency is for us is to try to replicate what we hear, right? Yeah. Is to try to say, okay, that worked for them. I'm going to do that here. And, um, and, and, and then sometimes I think it can be either um, overwhelming or it can be um, discouraging because you come back and what you hear, um, what you hear being talked about is, is, um, is not evidenced in the ministry that you serve, right? Or you come yeah. back and you hear all these amazing things from sometimes people having really large churches and you're like, you know, if we only did that in my small church, then, then we would have a large church and you're missing, I think missing the overall point. I think sometimes um, our conferences, unfortunately can bring discouragement, particularly to people from small, small churches, right? Even more so. I mean, I remember I was at a conference and uh, this guy, I was sitting next to a guy and he's like, He's like, I was just at a, at a breakout. And he said that we have to have, if we want like to see like, you know, a breakthrough in our kids ministry, we have to have the same people serve every week. He goes, I have a church of like, I have a church of like a hundred people in my church. And we mm-hmm. only have like, we only have like eight volunteers. If I, if I have them serve every week, he goes, it's going to, and we only have one service. I'm like, I was like, listen, you have to understand what they're saying. Right. Is yeah. For you, that is a huge mistake right? You will burn out your people. You'll have no one. You know what I'm saying? What you have to realize is, is that they're multiple, they're a large church, multiple volunteer potential, yeah. multiple services. People can attend one and serve one. Right. I said, in your case, I said, I would not do that. I said, I'm in a big, I have, I have a bigger church. I'm not a mega church. We have a big church and I don't do that, you know? So mm-hmm. I want to free you from the burden of thinking that is the only way. You know, um, the, what you need to take from what they said is this, is how can I produce consistency for our kids? Yes. How can I help our kids have a more consistent environment where they feel safe and welcomed and, and where there's people that know them and and are known by them. Right. Uh, how, how can I produce that? That's, that's the question. And so that's what I want to encourage people that come to the forum is, is don't just try to reproduce what we do because, um, 
what you don't see behind what we're saying is that there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of failure. There's a lot of uh, victories, but there's also a lot of losses. So it's how do, how we got to where we are was a process of time. So it takes time. Um, number two, I would say, look for the principle behind the product, right? So Mm -hmm. we're saying, Hey, this is what we do, but what's the principle behind it? Right. So at our church, we do, we do, um, catechism. Uh, we do, uh, catechism from preschool all the way through college. Right. So does that work for everybody? No, but what what it is, is it creates a framework of biblical truth that, you know, I know some Baptist people that are listening to this, they're, they're not Baptists aren't fans of catechism. I know that, but you can have biblical truth. Yeah. That is where there's a question and answer forum. And one of the ways that the way that we found that was through, um, you know, the historic, we use the Heidelberg, a version of the Heidelberg okay. um, for us. And, um, and it works well because it, it, it creates a framework for kids to understand what the Bible's about. It doesn't replace the Bible, but what it does for us is it disciples them to understand what is my only comfort in life and death. Like that's a question we want all of our kids to be able to answer that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. Right. We want yeah. them to answer that with boldness and with clarity because we all want comfort. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the goal of our lives is comfort. Like we find yeah. comfort in something that is what is so attractive to us about our idols is because we think that those things will buy us money, sex, fame will give us the comfort that we want so badly that can only come from knowing that I am not my own, but I belong to Christ. Right. So the principle behind it is how can we, how can we help our kids to, to week in and week out, come away with this idea of answering better questions rather than the question I used to ask was, did you have fun? Right. The questions I ask now are who, where did you see Jesus as greater than anything else today? Do you love, where did you hear, what did you learn about who Jesus is? Yeah. You know, and so it's more about, uh, we can do that in fun ways, but it's more about the content because the questions that you ask, tell the kids what is the most important thing Totally. about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Totally. Well, and I think I particularly resonate that with that because I think uh, there's a lot of folks who have this perception of Awana that was never an intention of that it has to be done a certain way, that mm-hmm. the method is what's most important. Right. And what I hear from you in that is when you talk about, you know, you're on stage speaking about a particular method or a particular idea that folks need to pay attention to the mission. And I get really excited about being in the space that I am where, you know, I get paid to gab into a microphone because I feel like the church is in this opportunity where Awana and other organizations like us have never had the ability to be less prescriptive. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what works for your church because I'm not a part of your church. And that has never been more true. Right. Be self-aware about that when you walk into an environment like that, because it will feel tempting to be like, Oh, I got to go do what everything Sam said today. And that's not at all what Sam's suggesting. Not at all. Not at all. And I think that is, that is where we can be most helpful and uh, uh, to the church. And as the church is to say, we don't have all the answers, but here's how we do it. But more importantly, here's why we do it. Yeah. And so go home and say, okay. And, and that's what I, 
encourage everybody, you know, it, it, that, that is take these notes that you've t- taken, right. Talk to the people in your church that are, have the influence uh, parents and leaders and pastors and, and say, Hey, here's some things that I heard. Mm-hmm. How do you think that these things would best play out? How can we accomplish some of these things within the context of our church through the personality that of the leaders of our church and the mission that God's called us to and the place where God's planted us. Right. So uh, in the Northeast where it's a very different, like where I, the church, uh, the place where I serve um, is very, very different than the Northwest, than the South, than the Southwest. And so where you serve is, is also hugely important. You have to take that into consideration as well is totally. we don't have, we don't have me, a ton of mega churches in, in the Northeast. You know, we just don't, we don't have that. We don't have, you know, um, cultural, cultural Christianity in the Northeast. We don't have the, people don't pray for their food. You know what I'm saying? That's when I, when I go down to the South, I'm always like, I go to Chick-fil-A and people are like interceding before they eat. And I'm like, what in the world? Like I've never, it's just, uh, it's important uh, to pray for your food. I, I do it. Yeah. I just, it's weird to see people, other people do it. It's yes. No one, oh I've never seen in 24 years of living in New York, I've never seen someone pray for their food in public ever. <laughs> and I go down within five minutes of staying in the Marriott, people are praying over there, which yeah. I would encourage, you know. Yeah, you no, you should have you pray over there. You a free breakfast at a hotel. <laughs> you got to pray for those eggs that God would make them come alive. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's hilarious. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.